0: News.
1: Good morning, Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Butte in Washington. Today is Wednesday, August 24th. And here are some of the stories we are covering. The Ukraine war marks a six-month anniversary as high cost for food and other commodities continue in Africa.
2: The challenges that Africa is currently facing, I would say about 15 to 20 percent of it can be laid at the door of Ukraine. The rest was self-inflicted. Sierra Leone, various
1: police officers killed during recent protests over the high cost of living. Guinea's FNDC and political parties wait to meet ECOWAS mediator. There are no press freedom concerns in Burkina Faso. Malawi's president orders investigation into acute power outages.
3: By the way, I'm sent by the president to establish this and I have to report first to the president and I'll get guidance after I give him the report.
1: And rhino poaching in Africa is down, but the population is still decreasing. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Wednesday marks the six-month anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Experts say rising food and fuel prices are worsening globally, but most especially in Africa, where most countries do not have enough storage for food. Maureen Ojiyama reports from Nairobi, Kenya.
0: Kenya is among the countries that have seen basic commodities skyrocket, and many citizens are struggling to afford foods that are imported from the two countries. Economist Ali Khan says that Africa is dependent on Russia and Ukraine, and that the food challenges that it faces precedes the Ukraine war. He says African countries lack storage and have not invested in purchasing food.
2: The challenges that Africa is currently facing, I would say about 15 to 20% of it can be laid at the door of Ukraine. The rest was self-inflicted um, uh, and were a consequence of borrowing uh, at low rates when living was easy. And now we're in a much more challenging environment Our borrowing rates are skyrocketing and the underlying weaknesses in our economies are being felt you know africa even if the ukrainian war ended tomorrow would still be facing some serious challenges
0: in early march the united nations general assembly voted on a resolution demanding russia to stop its military operations in ukraine many african countries seem to be more sympathetic to russia And this was evident when the majority of the African member states abstained from voting. Satu says most countries did that because they are asserting their national interests.
2: And when you look at your national interest, it makes no sense to alienate such an important provider of global commodities like Russia. You can see what it has done to the European economies where, for example, Germany is looking at a hollowing out of its industrial base because of the stance it's taken with Ukraine.
0: Kenyans are experiencing economic hardship as most of them are not able to afford basic commodities. Sylvester Uyo is a Kenyan asking the government to look into the high cost of
2: living.
0: He's saying, I think it's the leaders who have made life very difficult. They are responsible for passing the bills in parliament. We choose them to be our defenders but they are not looking into the matter. The leader should look at the prices of commodities and ensure prices reduces as it was
1: before.
0: Hunger and inflation are affecting most African countries with countries like Kenya needing food aid to sustain its population. Experts, however, say Africa is still struggling economically with or without the war in Ukraine. Reporting for viewers they break Africa I am Moreno Jambo in Nairobi Kenya
1: Malawi's president Lazarus Chakwera has ordered an investigation into the cause of worsening power blackouts the directive comes after the country experienced a national power outage over the past 3 days this is the first time the president of Malawi has asked for an investigation into the root of the problem Lamek Masina reports
4: from Blantyre Malawi is experiencing an acute shortage of power supply which has been made waste after Tropical Storm Ana destroyed the country's main power plant, Kapichira Hydropower Station, in January. This resulted in the loss of 130 megawatts from the national grid. However, from Friday to Sunday, the country experienced national power blackouts for about seven hours. For example, on Friday, the system shut down it started at around midday and on Saturday at 17 hours p.m. On Sunday, a national blackout occurred from 7 o'clock in the morning. Malawi President Tijakwe Lam, said on Facebook Tuesday, the investigation aims to establish the cause of the system shutdown and track the progress of the rehabilitation of the damaged Kapichira power plant. Minister of Energy, Ibrahim Matola, is tasked to lead the investigation. He told a press conference Tuesday that the preliminary findings have established the root causes of the blackouts, but refused to reveal them.
3: I cannot spill the beans now because I have to report where I'm supposed to report. By the way, I'm sent by the president to establish this and I have to report first to the president and I'll get guidance after I give him the report.
4: However, Matola said he will soon hold a meeting with representatives from the power generators, electricity generation company, or Ejenko, and power supplier, electricity supply corporation of Malawi, or ESCOM, to substantiate the findings. Frederick Changaya is the chairperson for ESCOM. He denies some people's allegations that the continued power outages are as a result of the company's negligence.
1: No, we are not aware of that that negligence but the fact-finding mission which is continuing is going to reveal the actual root cause. You must understand that uh, there is too much sensationalization since power is a sensitive product so a lot of people make a lot of comments which
4: may not be real. Changaya however said the problems causing power outages in Malawi originates from ESCOM as well as Ejenko. Melvin Nchenga is the assistant public relations officer for Echenko. He blames the outages on the failure to generate enough power after Tropical Storm Anna had destroyed the Kapichira hydropower station. He, however, says efforts are being made to establish the cause of the recent national power blackouts. There's a, a team
1: uh, that will involve uh, practitioners from Ijenko, from ESCOM and also from the Ministry of Energy. And this team uh, will be working to establish uh, 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 the causes, especially of the recent uh, uh, power that took that took place, uh, so that we can be able to address them once and for all.
4: In the meantime, Ijenko has received funding from the World Bank, to help rehabilitate the Kabichira hydropower station and normalize power generation capacity by December. I am Lamik Masina for VUE News in Blanta,
1: Malawi. In Sierra Leone, the government has buried police officers who recently died following clashes with protesters two weeks ago in the capital, of Freetown. President Julius Madabio, who was the chief mourner for the burial ceremony, reiterated his commitment to ensure those responsible for the deaths of the police officers will face the full force of the law. Local media reports at least 21 protesters and six officers were killed during the recent demonstrations in parts of the country, including Freetown. Mohamed Ratman Suari is Sierra Leone's Minister of Information and Communications.
5: His Excellency, the President, Brigadier Dr. Julius Madhavu, accompanied by Madam First Lady, um, the Honorable Vice President, Cabinet Ministers, bereaved families, members of the diplomatic corps, um, Security sector players, everybody assembled at um, the Hastings Training School, where the mortal remains of the six police officers who were brutally murdered by um, insurrectionists on August 10th will be laid to rest today. We just went through the formal ceremony where um, a representative um, of the grieving family spoke. Um, the Inspector General of Police. Also expressed condolences and His Excellency made a very soul searching speech. Now, Mohammed, the
3: President promised to launch an independent investigation into the circumstances that led to the murder of this or the killing of these police officers and other protesters. How is the investigation so far?
5: Well, His Excellency reaffirmed our commitment um, to set up a full scale, comprehensive investigation into the bloody insurrection of 10th August, 2022, in which um, service officers who, who heeded to the call of clarion call to national service were brutally hacked to death by otherwise um, people who had been incited, people who had been, you know, uh, instigated to do what they did that day. His Excellency also took time off to explain that nobody had reason to organize a peaceful protest wield the machetes, will self-loading machine guns and attack innocent members of the society. He did say there was no reason for that. Apart from mentioning the amount, the efforts the government has made to ameliorate the, difficult, the difficulties the go to, he also noted uh, that his government has been able to free the democratic space through repealing the 1965 uh, criminal libel law through the abolition of the death penalty and an early announcement of election results I mean, elections, he, he stressed, should be the only legitimate way to change governments in a democracy and join all those political entrepreneurs to in what they are doing and join us in nation building.
3: What do you say to those who have said that there have been people who have been sending audios calling for the removal of the president? Others are saying that the government is using this as an opportunity to go after the opposition. Uh, to try to weaken them ahead of next year's election. How do you reconcile the two?
5: I mean, his excellency is a very tolerant person. He is a very democratic person. So what happened on August 10th was a very brutal, frontal, and central attack on the core values that this country is repeated for. It was an attack on democracy. It was an attack on freedom of movement. It was an attack on, on, on everything, all the core values this country is noted for. Um, you could remember... Is the fourth most peaceful country in West Africa. It's the most peaceful country in the Mano River Union. Those are the credentials this bloody insurrection is thought to shatter by their very actions. So this president does not run after anybody. As I speak to you, there are no political detainees in jail. There are no journalists in jail on account of the practice of their profession, right? Nobody can accuse him of that. In fact, more than any other leadership in the history of this country, President Bill has created more space. He has opened the democratic space before now. And he noted this in his speech. There has to be nudges. We have to put pressure even before election dates were announced. This time, he's announced it well in advance of a year. So politicians who wish to gain power should campaign. But sadly enough, many do not have a message and they resort to all sorts of p- p- subterfuge to undo the government. We will not
1: accept it. Mohamed Rachman Suare is Sierra Leone's Minister of Information and Communications. You are speaking from Freetown with VOA's Peter Clotty. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on The Voice of America. I'm James Butte in Washington. Today is Wednesday, August 24th. In Guinea, the National Front for the Defense of the Constitution, also known as FNDC, says it is waiting to meet with former Benin President Boni Yayi, who is the mediator for the Economic Community of West African States ECOWAS on Guinea. Yayi arrived in the capital of Conakry last Sunday. His trip comes as there appears to be misunderstanding whether the military junta has accepted the demand by ECOWAS for a two-year transition period to democratic rule. It also follows deadly demonstrations to pressure the military led interim government to engage in credible dialogue on a transition to civilian rule. The government announced two weeks ago that it had dissolved the FNDC for ongoing armed demonstrations and acting like a private militia. The FNDC comprises political parties, labor unions, and civil society organizations. Alpha Freya Barry is a founding member of the group. He tells me the FNDC is waiting for an invitation to meet with the ECOWAS mediator.
6: Well, normally he's supposed to meet with us, but the thing is, you know, is the government, through the Minister of Foreign Affairs, they are the one who is going to build that protocol to tell the mediator with who he's supposed to meet. And I think they are working on that. Maybe we will meet with him. But for now, I can confirm it.
1: There's a crisis. Your group has been leading protests, and you would think that the government may want to allow ECOWAS to meet with everyone.
6: Yeah, even the media, we are the one who asked for media since uh, September. But by that time, the junta did not uh, agree for the media because they were saying that Guinea is not the country who is in a civil war. Uh, there is no crisis. We don't need the media, you know? But we try to keep our fight outside the country and to convince the ECOWAS leader to do all they can to send a mediator in Guinea. And now he's there. But the thing is, what I'm telling you, that's the behind closed door workout, I'm telling you, because the junta did not want to meet with uh, the FNDC, even with uh, some political leader.
1: The issue is uh, whether the junta will be able to allow for elections to take place in two years. Where does the FNDC stand?
6: Well, that's uh, one of the issues. But uh, the reality is the junta did not leave the power. They want to stay for so long. You know, they are not in that mindset, two years or three years. That's what a lot of people are saying, but that's not the reality. They don't want to leave the power. For us, if all the civil society and the political leaders agree for the two years, we don't have any problem. The only thing we ask is to come back to the normal situation, not to go through the election. But they don't seem to want to do that.
1: Is it because maybe the mediator might be thinking that the FNDC does not exist anymore legally because the military junta has dissolved the FNDC?
6: I'm not going to say yes, because as I explained to you last time, the dissolution was uh, something illegal, you know? And the only reason that the military did not want the mediator to meet with us is because we disagree on the law you know one of the articles, which is the article 77 was violated by the military that's why we are on this crisis in that article they said that to define the duration for the transition that should be between the military and all the civil society organization politically organization, and everyone, but they don't do that. They just take on themselves and said they want to do three years based on their own agenda, which is not the agenda of the people.
1: Thank you so much again. We are very happy to
6: talk with you. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Mr. James.
1: Alpha Freya Barry is a founding member of Guinea's National Front for the Defense of the Constitution, FNDC. He was speaking to me from New York State. Concerns about press freedom are increasing in Burkina Faso as the country's regulatory media body, the High Council of Communication, remains non-operational for more than three months. Reporters with our border spokesperson in West Africa, Sadibu Macron, speaks to Ricky Strayak about the issue.
3: This is the Superior Council for Communication in Burkina Faso. The, the tool which is uh, safeguarding the media's access you know to sources of information to any many other freedom of expression and freedom of the press and even elections uh, reporting and uh, uh, promoting also freedom of expression and, and what happens is there are nine members in that uh, in that uh, in that body uh, but they have been elected among them one president and one vice president and that election has been uh, challenged to the court by the opposition, the opponent of the uh, president-elect. And that opponent of the president-elect is a lady. And she is supposed, we did not mention that in the, our press release, but she is supposed to be closer to the, to, the, to the president or to authorities.
1: Is your concern that these changes might result in more restrictions on freedom of the press in Burkina Faso?
3: Yes. For sure, because if it's not, if there is not a decree, an other presidential decree to to be issued by the president of the of Burkina Faso to confirm the the council's new president in his position, the, the the body will not be really uh, functioning. Uh, there is a, there will be a failure for the body to function, for example, or you know, and to do many many of its jobs. It, will not be functioning if there is not that 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 decree from the president yes and this is uh, something what why we are trying to we are calling on the president that to, if really they don't want to avoid being seen as uh, hiding to trying to take over the council they must put themselves above the fray and issued a decree uh, confirming uh, the new president, uh, and this without delay.
1: And the current freedom of the press in
6: Burkina Faso, as it stands, I understand that there are four journalists um, who, have, who are currently under threat. In the new release, you said that Burkina Faso has the 40.
1: 46- first place out of 180 countries um, in, in regards to press freedoms.
0: Are there already concerns about press freedom uh, in Burkina Faso?
3: Yes, yes, yes. We are, we, we've been, uh, we've raised, uh, we've voiced a lot of concern over uh, our press freedom's uh, regression in, in Burkina Faso, and especially uh, since the president's, uh, the, the junta is, uh, is here. There have been a lot of violations in, uh, for example, since the start of the year, is a journalist even during during the coup and uh, journalist uh, who has been injured and two other briefly detained uh during that 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 that, that period which led to the coup and later uh, even the president Damiba, who has been chairing his first uh, cabinet meeting in march was has has banned they have banned his cabinet has uh, has banned uh, uh, reporters from filming the
1: president himself. Sadibu Macron is the spokesperson for Reporters Without Borders. He spoke with Ricky Stryak. Conservation groups say the rate of rhinoceros poaching in Africa has dropped significantly since a peak in 2015. South Africa accounts for 90% of all reported poaching on the continent mostly of white rhinos, whose numbers have dropped by almost 12% since 2018. Vicky Stark reports from Cape Town.
7: The latest figures on the animal whose horns are coveted in traditional Chinese medicine are recorded in a report by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, or IUCN, and the NGO Traffic The report covers 2018 through 2021. It notes an increase in the number of rare black rhinos by just over 12% from 5,495 to 6,195. But it says the number of white rhinos fell from just over 18,000 to 15,942. That's also a change of 12%. The report says overall there was a decrease with about 22,137 rhinos, black and white, left in Africa at the end of 2021. IUCN rhino expert Sam Ferreira says the reason they aren't seeing the results of a decreased poaching rate yet is that the drop needs to be sustained over a longer period. Ferreira says he believes it wasn't just, as some experts have suggested, the COVID-19 lockdowns that made the difference, but improved policing and community involvement.
5: I think that um, what is really important is that the arrests decreased from uh, 493 in 2018 to 275 in 2021. Now, we, again, we don't know what exactly is sitting behind these things. But it does suggest that there are interventions and critical interventions that uh, range states and particularly managers on the ground are doing that are having some consequences on the decisions that people make to poach or not to poach rhinos.
7: The IUCN traffic report says since 2018, several education campaigns have been delivered to more than one million people. The WWF's global practice leader, Margaret Kinnard says conservationists use everything from social media to classic campaigns with posters to educate the public. For
6: WWF, we've worked a lot with Chinese travelers, in particular, that are going to um, overseas, uh, where they are, you know, they're visiting markets that have for example, elephant ivory and rhino horn, potentially um, illegally for sale. The point there is to change the hearts and minds of those people who are approaching markets and, and thinking about taking a gift home or um, you know, thinking about buying something for a medical cure and just giving them alternative ideas for the sort of gift or, or product they would take home.
7: Kenya says the smuggled horns go primarily to Asia and are sold through illegal markets in the Mekong region and in China, particularly in markets in Cambodia, Myanmar and Vietnam. She says the horns are marketed from all four of the major rhino range states, the most coming from South Africa, but also Kenya, Namibia and Zimbabwe. Vicky Stark for VOA News, Cape Town, South Africa.
1: And that's it for this Wednesday, August 24th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa team, I'm James Butty in Washington.